Though the global pandemic may be slowing things down, Spring Branch is taking tangible steps forward to keep our economy strong, like supporting our local businesses, linking them to free online business courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Dugout Download, a Houston Chronicle podcast about all things Astros. I'm Steve Schaefer of The Chronicle, along with Astros beat writer Matt Kawahara. And as we go into the final weekend of the season, Matt, all we can say is nothing can be taken for granted, particularly what happened after what happened in Seattle on Thursday night. The Astros look like they might have a chance to clinch a playoff berth on Friday. It won't happen before Saturday, and who knows after Seattle scores an amazing walk-off win over the Rangers on Thursday. Yeah, it's going to be an entertaining last weekend uh, because, you know, it's going into Friday. Uh, it'll be the Rangers with a two-game lead over the Astros in the AL West, and then the Astros with one-game lead over Seattle for that final AL wildcard spot. But it, like you said, I mean, if the, if the Mariners don't mount that ninth inning comeback, on Thursday night, that would mean uh, the Astros go into this final series with a um, with a two game lead over the Mariners. That would have been uh, some real padding for them to work with. Uh, instead, they have a one game lead over Seattle going into the final weekend, which really essentially is not even a one game lead because Seattle owns the regular season tiebreaker against them, which means that if the two teams finish with identical records in the regular season, the Mariners get a spot over uh, over. So this, you know, the lead that they have is, I mean, it helps them. The alternative would have been them losing that Wednesday night game. And then if Seattle wins Thursday night, the two teams are tied going into the final weekend. And that would have put the, the Astros in a really tough situation. But they were able to win that regular season finale in Seattle on Wednesday night. That was a really big and a really good overall win for them. Uh, so they will enter this last weekend, at least in control of their, their postseason destiny, essentially. To a degree, when we're looking at this race, and the Blue Jays are part of it too, we can touch on that in a minute, but you mentioned Wednesday, and it just seemed to me on Wednesday, maybe the Astros' pedigree finally came into play a little bit because they got hitting, they got solid bullpen work, and you just wonder, is that the type of thing that is going to make a difference in these last three games, particularly because they're playing an Arizona team that is fighting for a playoff spot in the National League, but they don't have the experience the Astros do. You, you got It's one of those deals you look at, like the Astros could get in the playoffs as a wild card. They could still win the West. They could miss them. And yet they still seem like the team no one would want to play. Yeah, that series in Seattle was such a weird microcosm of their weird season. Uh, because, I mean, in the, in the, uh, in the first game in, in, on Monday night, they get the uh, excellent pitching performance from Justin Verlander. So they, they win behind that. Tuesday, they look, like just a sloppy team. I mean, they're they're throwing the ball over the field. They had two overthrows at third base where the pitchers didn't back up the play. Ball goes out of bounds, leads to extra bases for the Mariners, leads to runs, uh, leads to a loss. I mean, it's just, they look like not a championship caliber team, like especially on defense where they have actually struggled for a lot of the season. And then Wednesday they come out and they play just a, a really strong from top to bottom across the board all-around good game. I mean, they got contributions from everybody in the lineup. From Valdez had his his problems in the uh, in the first and the fourth innings, especially got squeezed a little bit in the with the strike zone in the first and uh, really the early innings, but was able to kind of weather that even when it looked like his first inning might really go off the rails. I mean, there was there were a few pitches, a few at bats in that first inning. I mean, three batters in, they have you know mound visit, pitching coaches running out to the mound essentially to kind of try to calm him down. And it looked like 
that start for him could really, really go off the rails early. But he was able to limit the damage in the first inning. Like you said, they got five scoreless innings from their bullpen, which was such a strength for them last year down the stretch and in the playoffs. And it looks like that could be really key for them again if they do make it in. And it was just an all-around good win for them. So, yeah, I mean, I think a few guys referenced it after the game where they said, like, this is, you know, we were talking about it before the game. This is a must-win. This is something we're comfortable with. This is familiar to us. When they went out, they said, uh, I think it was Ryan Presley who mentioned that there was a little bit of a playoff atmosphere, so it sort of felt like home. Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the time of year where you expect for them to play well, and which is why it's been so puzzling uh, for the last two, two and a half weeks where they've been so erratic. But, I mean, now it is in there. They are in a place where they need to play well in this final series. They need to win the series. They almost need to win the series, essentially, to, to ensure that they get into the postseason. So we'll see how they respond. Yeah, if we look at the numbers here, I mean, in terms of them getting in, they can get a wild card. They just need a combination of three wins and Mariners' law, three Astros wins and or Mariners' losses. So as you said, they control their destiny. They sweep their in. If they win two, they just need the Mariners. But they can also win the West if they sweep and Texas does not sweep um, the Mariners because that, the, that that door kind of got opened a little bit more on Thursday for them. But then they've got the, the chance if, if the Astros were to get sweep, swept and the Mariners just win one, Houston is out. And if people really want some chaos, I'll just throw this in. There is still the possibility of a four-way tie in the American League for these last three playoff spots among Texas, Seattle, Houston, and Toronto. Now, the good news for Astros fans, if that were to happen, and it's very unlikely, but it could happen if Seattle swept Texas, if the Astros win twice, and if Toronto wins once uh, against the Rays this weekend, Texas winds up being the odd team out. I mean, they were the team that was really sitting pretty going to the ninth inning against Seattle, and now suddenly not even anything is assured for them. But that's pretty much how it shapes up this weekend. And again, Arizona, uh, they're presently the number two wild card in the National League, so they're hanging on by a game and a half over the Marlins, who then had a suspended game Thursday night. Who knows where that comes into play? Cubs are two out. Reds are three out. The Diamondbacks looking pretty shape, but but they can't lie down either. But one thing about this series coming up is that Thursday night's result did at least crystallize what the Astros are going to do starting pitcher-wise at the beginning of this Arizona series. Yeah. The, well, first of all, I mean, there are so many different permutations about the the playoff picture. I, I, it boils down to if the Astros can go into this series and win. I mean, like like we've said, they control their own destiny. So if they, if they win, if they win out, obviously they're in. If they win two of three, I believe they're still in a really strong position. Um I don't know that there's a scenario where if they if they win two of three, even with the Mariners win tonight, that they don't have uh, at least a hold on a spot at the end of the season. So, uh, so I think I mean there it, it comes down to they need to go in and win this series. And um, as, as you say with the pitching, they announced on Wednesday that they have JP France uh, lined up to start Friday's opener. Um, they lined up, they have Justin Verlander announced as the pitcher for Saturday and. Following the Mariners' win tonight, Thursday night, uh, you would expect that that's going to happen. I think the only re- the only way that that would have changed was with the possibility that um, that they could have locked up a playoff berth by the end of Friday. Uh, had the Mariners lost Thursday night, but since that didn't happen, you know they'll they'll still be playing for something regardless on Saturday. So I think you will definitely see France followed by Verlander. Uh, after that, it's it's interesting to see what they're going to do because uh, a lot of it is going to depend on. 
what the stakes are going into that last day. I mean, if they have a wild card spot locked up by Saturday and there's, you know, there's no shot for them to win the division on Sunday, then you would expect that, uh, you know, they, they set up the pitching, whether it's, you know, having Hunter Brown start that finale so that they have Fred Valdez available for game one of a potential wild card series. And probably I would guess Christian Javier also rested uh, for a potential game two, because you're looking at, you know, Verlander pitches Saturday, he wouldn't be on regular rest uh, to come back until a potential game three. I guess you could look at the possibility of him coming back uh, if they are in a wild card series and pitching game two on short rest. But, you know, if they, th- these are all the different things I'm sure they're going to have to weigh uh, kind of going into that last, that last day or two. But yeah, it, it, it comes down to, you know, they need to go into this series against an Arizona team that's still trying to secure its own postseason berth. And, you know, some of the National League uh, playoff picture, especially with what happened with uh, between the, the Marlins and the Mets tonight, you know, that's still really murky going into the weekend. Uh, there was a, a possibility coming into today that the Marlins could uh, go into Friday with sort of their their postseason path already set. And then there's a question of, hey, how do they maybe take their foot out the gas pedal a little bit? Do they decide to rest some personnel? Do they schedule their pitching so that they're well-rested and set up for their wildcard series? But now there's some question about that. And you know, so uh, so at least for this opener, it seems like you know both teams are, are really, both teams are going to be going into it needing to win, needing to secure their uh, their you know, their footing on, on what is a really tenuous uh, postseason picture for both of them. So definitely no uh, taking the foot off the gas pedal for either team, at least going into the first game. Now, I think it's worth mentioning that on Friday, the Astros are going to face the Diamondbacks' ace, Zach Gallen, who is, um, has started four times against them in the past. He's 1-0, but he's got like a 25-4 to strikeout-to-walk ratio in games against Houston. So it's, it's going to be no mean feat to beat him on Friday, and uh, Diamondbacks with some exciting players, particularly Corbin Carroll. We, it's funny we we've seen Bobby Wood Jr. Uh, in the last each of the last two weekends, and then Carroll's another of these speed power guys. He's got 25 homers, he's got 52 steals, he's a catalyst at the top of that lineup, and he's he's certainly going to be somebody to watch. I suppose that it wouldn't be an Astros season if we didn't go into this final weekend with this extra distraction, perhaps, that was created Wednesday night. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. You know, when the Astros um, faced the Mariners uh, at Minute Maid Park recently, they couldn't get Julio Rodriguez out. I mean, the guy was like on maybe the best individual Terry anybody's been on this season. They got him out in some big spots during that Seattle series. Verlander retired him with the bases loaded in the only inning in which he had trouble on Monday. Uh, they retired him in a couple big spots on Wednesday, but Hector Neris gets him out. And then, speaking of chaos, just this surprise, him walking toward Rodriguez. And then there's a story going on. Update us on what's going on there as far as Neris and what he allegedly said to Rodriguez. Um, and is that going to be something that is a cloud over this weekend? Right. So that was a, it was an unusual situation for sure. I mean, for anybody who didn't see it or hasn't read about it yet, it's a sixth inning. Um, the, the Astros had a one run lead. Neris is in with a runner on first base. He strikes out Rodriguez to end the inning. Rodriguez is walking back to the Mariners dugout. Neris, instead of heading toward his dugout, takes several steps toward Rodriguez, yells at him, points at him. Uh, Rodriguez looks up in, in surprise uh, because he doesn't really know what's going on. Jose Abreu is running back to the Astros dugout. He starts to push Neris away, but 
you can't, you know, that doesn't happen before the Seattle bench starts running on the field. Astros bench follows both bullpens run in. Uh, so it's a, you know, long pause. It didn't escalate beyond that, but, but obviously this is something that, um, that has gotten a lot of attention because first of all, um, there has been going back probably a year and a half or so, at least to the last season, there's definitely been some tension between these two teams. I mean, uh, you look at a game real last season um, in June in Houston where Hector Neres was involved again. I mean, there was a, a game uh, between the two teams where Neres went in for the ninth inning through a pitch that hit Ty France uh, in the back. Uh, Julio Rodriguez actually followed with a home run. Two batters later, Neres threw a pitch over the head of Eugenio Suarez. Neres was ejected. He was later given a four-game sus- uh, suspension by Major League Baseball which was reduced to three games after he appealed. That was sort of all, um, I mean, that, that was one incident in what's been really a string of incidents between the two teams that has kind of um, heightened this tension over the last uh, season. I mean, you saw it earlier this season even. I think it was, uh, I think it was last month, or early August, uh, in Houston again, where Framber Valdez uh, hits uh, Mariners uh, second baseman Jose Caballero with a pitch. Caballero took exception. Bench is cleared again. Um, there's definitely a, an undercurrent, undercurrent, if not, you know, open, um, dislike between, uh, between elements of these two teams. And even in this series, um, there had been three Astros hitters that were hit by pitches in the first two games. And that was something that Dusty Baker referenced after Tuesday night's game with some frustration and pointing. And I mean, he, he pretty blatantly said, Hey, if this was the, if this was the old national league, pitchers wouldn't be doing this because they would have to come up and hit. And now with the universal DH, you know, that's not something they have to worry about. So guys who bowl there, I mean, it was, it was some pretty blatant comments by uh, Dusty Baker and something he referenced again, Wednesday, he didn't um, expressly say, Hey, we thought this was intentional, but it was very, very heavily implied. So going back to the sixth inning, Neris has this reaction to, uh, to the strikeout, the teams, you know, the benches clear, everybody gets separated. I, I'm still not completely clear on whether, Neris was ejected from the game or not um, because the inning was over and he was not coming back out to pitch. Um, and I don't know if he was told to leave the dugout or, or what happened, but, uh, but basically after the game, uh, we went up to, to talk to Hector Neris. He said it was, um, it was not something that was personal. He said uh, he, he called Julio Rodriguez, uh, Rodriguez, you know, my friend, he said that he's somebody that um, he has a relationship with. Um, they share an agency. Uh, they were both on the uh, the Dominican Republic roster for the World Baseball Classic earlier this year. Um, Neris really downplayed the incident. He said it was something that was just part of the game, part of the moment. Rodriguez did not uh, address the uh, that interaction after the game uh, to reporters, but uh, Suarez, according to the the Seattle Times, told the Seattle Times, Eugenio Suarez, who was in the on deck circle at the time, he said to the Seattle times that he believed Neris had directed a homophobic slur toward Rodriguez in what he was saying after the at bat. Um, so at today, Thursday, uh, an MLB spokesperson said that the league was looking into the incidents. Um, Neris issued a, an apology issued a long statement that included an apology toward uh, Rodriguez and also made reference to that Seattle Times report 
um, saying that the, the report that he had used a, a homophobic slur was simply incorrect. Um, that was a direct quote from his statement. Um, Rodriguez did end up talking to reporters in Seattle and uh, some of the reports out of there were that he, he did not uh, specifically address what Neris had said, what words Neris used to him. But he said he was shocked by uh, by the reaction there. And he, Neris had reached out to him and he had no interest in, um, in continuing their interaction. He also said that he did not believe uh, that the, what happened last year with the home run in, in Houston had anything to do with it. He thought that that was, you know, past them. Um, and then uh, I believe also I had seen that it reported that a reporter went up to Suarez and Suarez did not have initial comment today. So, so that, that's, that was kind of where it stood at the end of Thursday. Um, like I said, uh, an MLB spokesperson said that the league was looking into the incident. I, I it will be worth, uh, following going forward to see if, if the league determines that you know um, there was something that Neris said, or or regardless of what the exact words that Neris used were, if his actions there alone were, weren't some kind of uh, repercussions, I mean Neris is a, is a very uh, valuable part of this Houston bullpen, and the I, the possibility that he would not be you know if there was some sort of discipline, there's possibility that he might not be available for the last uh, few games of the season, or I don't know exactly how they would structure that or, or what would happen, but that's sort of where we stand at the end of Thursday night. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely something to watch. I mean, Neris, uh, like I said, issued a long statement where he apologized um, to Rodriguez. Um, he said he had a, a tremendous amount of respect for, for Rodriguez as both a person and a player. Um, he said that their friendship has dated back several years uh, and that they worked out together during the pandemic. I think the last thing that he said was that they had a sort of a friendly count. His quote was friendly competition um, between the two of them on the field. And, and that was, he said, what Neris said, what fueled his response to that instant. Um, I mean, zooming out from for, from a team perspective, that was really a big moment in the game for the Astros because, you know, like I said, they had a one run lead at that point. The next half inning, they go and score three runs and they really kind of took control of that game there. But, you know, you, it will be something to watch going forward into this last weekend, whether there are repercussions of it going forward. And I'm sure, you know, because these two teams don't face each other again this season, unless somehow they end up meeting in the postseason, I'm sure this will be something that carries over or is referenced again next season um, because there has been this uh, this string of incidents between the two teams, and and I'm sure this is something that will just add to it what is really becoming kind of a heated rivalry in the AL West. You mentioned uh, McCormick getting hit on Tuesday as we look at this series coming up. I guess the yes haven't said anything officially. He didn't play Wednesday, but I guess we assume that he'll he's okay as far as this series is concerned. And of course, if he's not, Michael Bradley steps up, hadn't played in days, and gets four hits. So uh, the guy just seems to be able to get hits falling out of bed. But uh, we, McCormick, we think ostensibly is going to be okay. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, McCormick said Wednesday, he was hit Thursday night in the ninth inning. Uh, Andres Munoz, the Emeritus closer, hit him sort of in the lower back side area. Um, McCormick went down like he was in some real pain. He had to be helped off the field. He said afterward it was really painful um but as of wednesday afternoon he said he thought he would be available for that game he didn't end up playing like you said brantley hasn't played for eight games comes in and gets four hits so i mean it the the guy can just you know you plug him in and he hits but there is a question about his durability uh because you know he he 
the sense that you get from the way that they've had to structure his schedule and then this in-game absence is that his body, his shoulder is not maybe bouncing back the way from playing these games like they would have hoped or he would have hoped. So um, so that will be another interesting thing uh be another interesting thing to watch in the Arizona series is how much he's available. I mean, Tuesday night, there was a, a pretty key situation in that Tuesday night game, which the Astros lost where they have the bases loaded. I think it was the seventh inning, um, right-hander on the mound and, uh, Dusty Baker put in, uh, John Singleton to pinch hit rather than Brantley. Um, and afterward he said, yes, Brantley was available, but he didn't want to bring him in in that situation because he, you know, he hadn't played in seven games. And also he just wanted Brantley's body to be, rested and ready for Wednesday because it takes so long for him to warm up. So, I mean, if that's the case and there's some question about whether he's even available as a pitch hitter on, on days that he's not in the lineup, then, then I think you have to look at, you know, how, how often he's going to be available in these, uh, in these last three games. But, uh, but with McCormick, I mean, he said that Wednesday that he expected to be available. So I would assume that, uh, that by Friday he will, um, he will still be an option. Well, it's going to be a fascinating weekend. It's been a fascinating week leading up to this final series with Arizona, and everything's on the line for the Astros, who have been accustomed to winning under games, running away with the West Division. Uh, they've won the last five full-season West Division titles, still an outside shot at a sixth straight, but right now it's just they just want to get in the playoffs in any way they can. And uh, you can obviously um, uh, follow what's going on uh, with the Astros, uh, with Mac O'Hara, on pages of the Houston Chronicle and the HoustonChronicle.com. And um, we'll just see how things play out as uh, this regular season comes to a close. We thank you for listening to this edition of Dugout Download. We also acknowledge Pirate Audio and their, um, thank them for their production in the podcast. And um, we'll be coming to you soon. We'll see what the Astros do, how they finish this regular season. But uh, if things go well, we'll have a playoff edition before they uh, take on whoever they would play in the wild card round. We know that would be either Tampa Bay or Minnesota, most likely Minnesota. But again, there's still a chance they'd have a first round bye. We'll just have to see how it plays out. But again, thanks for listening to Dugout Download, and we'll talk to you soon.